Hey, thanks for checking out our show. If you like what you hear, we have tons of additional content at patreon.com slash the media lunch break. Are you a horror person? Oh, we've never actually discussed. I, this is like one aspect of a relationship I've never touched on. I think because I was afraid to. Not really. I'm not really a horror person. I was like, you. I don't think that you are. I, we've never discussed a, a single horror movie in the like 12 years that we've known each other. That's probably not true. We've definitely talked about Cabin in the Woods on this show. Oh, we have talked about that. That That's true. We we have talked about that one. Look, even the ones that are like classics, like Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, stuff like that. I understand them. I understand the love for them, but I don't. They're not your cup of tea. Yeah. They for me, not your thing. They tend to feel more like, well, we're making a scary thing for people who want to be scared. And quite frankly, I'm scared enough as it is. <laughs> Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and throw on that hockey mask. My name is Chris Trebel. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Dunn. <gasps> Say hello, Andrew. Hi. Did you like that? I don't know what you did. I legit almost ran out of, I, I, oh, I legit oh, I almost see. ran out of breath at the end of that. Gotcha, gotcha. But I worked it in and made it feel seamless, like a professional. Can you imagine how much better it would have been if you passed out? <laughs> I think that every single episode. <laughs> I think, my God, this would be so much better right now if I just passed out. <laughs> and I don't mean the quality of the episode. I just mean just the quality of my day. I'm like, if I passed out for like an hour and a half right now, and when I woke up, Andrew was finishing up this episode. <laughs> be, That's called blacking out. We've all done it. We'll all do it again. Have I done it? I mean, I guess if I'd done it, I wouldn't really remember, would I? Probably doing it right now. I probably, I probably will. Wouldn't it be that be incredible if, like, if like tomorrow I text you and I'm like, when did we record a podcast? Yeah, and you're like, we recorded last night, and I'm like, no, 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 no. When did we start recording a podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. How have you been, speaking of blacking I've out? Been t- <laughs> I've been good. I've been all right. I've been... Last week was, like, ridiculous. What are you drinking? Tea. I always drink tea. Oh, is it tea? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay, I see the bag now. I, I just saw a brown, dirty <laughs> liquid for a while. I was like, are you just drinking dishwater? What is this? <laughs> kind of tastes like it, but it's got caffeine, so what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, you might as well just go outside and pick some dead leaves off the ground and then just mash them into a cup and pour boiling water over That's them. That's what I did. Say, <laughs> good. That's good. It's, <laughs> it's good for the throat. I, I, I call it cafe a la squirrel poop. So I texted you a little while back and I was like, hey, Jupiter's Legacy came out. We should probably talk about this show. And you said, actually... I'm watching Invincible, so we should talk about that show. And I went, okay. And then you texted me days later and said, hey, 
I'm watching Jupiter's Legacy now, and we should also talk about that show that you said that we should talk about, and I said no to. And then I said, God damn it, now I gotta watch eight episodes of something in six hours or something. I mean, they're like 30 minutes. It's like four hours long. It's like the Snyder cut. It's like six hours long, all right? Which is might as well be an eternity to me. Only if you watch the credits and don't skip the intro. They're like 30 minute long episodes. Whatever. The point is, the point is we're talking about Invincible and Jupiter's Legacy today. Did you watch them both? I did watch them both. I actually watched all episodes of all the things. That's amazing to me that you found enough time to ignore your family. I believe me, it took honest to God effort to ignore my family that much. Usually I'm very good at it. But this time (laughs) I went out of my way to ignore them especially hard. So I've watched all these episodes. You obviously have watched all these episodes. I actually didn't get a chance to watch Jupiter's Legacy. Yes, you <laughs> I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I will reach through this damn iPad and just knock that stupid tea right out of your goddamn hands. All right, so we got two shows to talk about, Andrew. I figure we'll talk about each one separately, and then I'm sure at some point they'll bleed together and we'll start comparing the two, but I feel like we should talk about the two of them separately to start off with. So, as always, the choice is yours. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) We have Invincible, we have Jupiter's Legacy. What would you like to talk about first? You have never given me this option on this episode. Well, take a shot. Take a shot. Is this still a... You got a 50-50 shot with this one. Awful thing? Go for it. Give it a shot. Go ahead. Jupiter's Legacy? Too bad! I wonder... What actually, the fuck? I, actually, I don't give a shit. Okay. We can talk about Jupiter's Legacy. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, okay, all right. So let's... I almost switched it up because I wanted to talk about Jupiter's Legacy, and I was like, is he going to do the thing? Is this what this is? What's happening? I could. I could have. I'm a madman. It's the whim of a madman. We'll get to that later. Oh... <laughs> Anyway, by the way, Jupiter's Legacy is on Netflix. Invincible is on Amazon Prime. They're competing. They're competing against each other. Jupiter's Legacy is a film from about 10 years ago that stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, and a very young Eddie Redmayne. Yes, and a very in-drag Eddie Redmayne. And given it 110%. Man, is he ever just screaming his beautiful British little heart out. (laughs) If you think that's the last time we're going to make this joke... My God, you're wrong. And by make this joke, I mean accidentally say the wrong title of the thing we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. My God, you're wrong. Yeah. I did it in my head at least six times in the last 15 minutes. So, all right. So Jupiter's Legacy. You want to talk? uh, uh, Let's see. You want me to do a sum up of what this is or you want to do a sum up? You do a sum up of what this is. Great. You're better at the sum ups. Am I? I feel like you are. I feel like when I give a sum up, you're like, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like them short. Okay, I do. I do like a two sentence sum up. And you're like, let me add on to this sum up. Sure. Let me sum up your sum up. Jupiter's legacy is about a family of superheroes and other people, too. But it's mostly about this one family, husband and wife. And there are two kids and a few other people and some villains as well. But it's it's sort of a there's like three parts to it. One is that it's showing how superheroes came to be in this sort of version of Earth uh, in the modern day, and that takes place back in, like, the 1920s and 30s. And at the same time, you're also seeing the present day where those same people are either dead or old, and they're sort of—the ones that are still around are trying to teach their kids— 
and also while trying to fight crime and teach their kids to fight crime, they're also trying to balance like keeping their relationships healthy with each other and with their kids and with their friends and family and just maintain healthy relationships all around. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, this is the first. Um, this is based on the the comic by Mark Millar. This is the first of the Millar adaptations. The Millaraverse. I forget what it's called. Millerverse. Millerverse. Thank you. Because it's not Mark Millar. It's Mark Miller. Is it? I believe it's Millar. We we could have this discussion for an entire episode. Oh yeah. Oh, listen to it. Oh, that's good podcasting. Um, <laughs> That's where the money is right there. <laughs> so this is the first. He's There's a number of projects that Netflix inked a multi-million dollar deal with this guy to basically, uh, first of all, first adapt his uh, properties that he has already. And then uh, I think also start to develop original projects as well, where he is the agreement of like, you come up with an idea, we'll adapt it for Netflix you can also make a comic with it simultaneously and, which is pretty true with Mark Millar's work already, you do what you want to do with it and we'll do what we want to do with it and the two may look nothing like each other and we'll just say it's based on the comic and vice versa. But this one is based on the actual comic Jupiter's Legacy. What did you think of this? It's fine. I Less than fine, maybe? Th- oh my God. I was... So ready for us to disagree on this. And I completely feel the same way. Yeah. Mostly fine, but sometimes less than fine. I was so bored with this. Yeah. And that was like the cardinal thing. It wasn't good or bad. It was just me the whole time. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it, because there was such a big lead up to it. Right. There was so much marketing and everyone was so excited about it. And Netflix really pushed it. Right. And some mostly unimportant parts were very bad. Like, I don't want to get too specific, but right. like the hair and beards, like the old age makeup is so weird. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. It's very, very fake. rarely. And I guess I'll just start talking about. Wait, the- hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, spoilers for Jupiter's Legacy. I'm just. I'll yes. put it up there now. We'll just go right into it. Spoilers. Spoilers for the beards of Jupiter's Legacy. Right, the beards of Jupiter. That's what we're going to refer to it from now on. The beards <laughs> of Jupiter. Very good. Better title. Yeah, I'm not going to try to make. I was going to try to make a pun, but I can't think of a good one, so I'm just going to skip forward. Cool. Most of the time. When I have a negative response to a film or a television series or a book or something, it's usually sort of like as it is presented, like in the way that like if I get a meal and I eat it and I don't like it, I don't need to like I don't know how to improve it. Right. right? Like I don't know. Oh, it needs it needs more salt or it should have been in the oven a little longer or whatever. I don't know how to fix it. I just am like, I don't like this. Right. But that's mostly because it's very rare that you have a meal that you don't like. (laughs) So there's that. Well, that's not true. Uh, sometimes it's it's vegetables. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I I review something and I'm like, mm, this didn't quite land with me. I don't I don't know what they were like. I think they were going for this, but I'm not really sure what they could replace it with or whatever. Or or like with acting, especially as well. You see it and you're like, man, they're doing their best and they're just not quite hitting it. Right. And there's no way right. to really explain what they need to be doing differently in order to improve the art of it, of their acting as this character or whatever. Right. Right. With the beards, I was like, I could make this better. Yes. Yeah. Very rarely do I watch something, have a negative response and think if I had been in charge of this, it would have been better. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree with you. I, I rarely am like, if I had been playing that role, I would have acted better. Maybe sometimes. Or like yes. if I was directing this, I could have directed it. Very rarely do I feel that way. But like with the beards and hair, I was like, uh, what? It's just fuzz. It looks like somebody yeah. shaved a rabbit and slapped some Elmer's glue on their face and just threw it on. Yeah. 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 Because they don't move. They're just they're it's, just like. Well, and also like there's no soul patch. Like yeah. if you look, there's it doesn't it doesn't go in a in a flow. It's just here. Right. Do you ever watch the old James Lipton give it a ponder, ponder beard thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. looks like they could just pop it off their face. Because they literally then, could like, just pop it off their face. Suction it back onto yes. their face. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny. I was watching this and I th- had a thought. Uh, I was wondering if it would have been a more interesting choice to double cast this. I had the exact same thought. I think that would have been a great idea. I don't think it's a better idea. I don't think it's something we've seen. I wonder if there was a funding issue. Like you got to basically pay twice as many people then you do. Also, who do you get? Yeah. You know, like, but if you're covering people, like if you're going to have the people have long hair and beards, they don't even have to look that much alike. Well, yes, that's true too, but it does. It just looks like the old standard of like, we have our young, good looking actors and then we'll put white, hair on them and yes by the way it does look comic accurate which is great and all but at the same time it's almost it it, now we've we've kind of hit that uncanny valley of like i don't need it this comic accurate i don't need that well but like you can have them have white beards and long white hair and that'll be comic accurate it doesn't right but that's what i'm saying it they they look I mean, yeah, you're almost, right. it looks like it was markered onto them. Yeah. Like they were like, it looks exactly <laughs> like in a comic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one, it's paying the actors like you got to get a separate cast and you got to pay, you know, also you're paying money for. I know it's going to sound crazy because it's there's not like huge names in this or anything, but like Josh Duhamel is like not the biggest name in the world, but he's he's done some stuff. He's done enough stuff that he's a recognizable face and a somewhat recognizable name. So like you're casting him as the young utopian and then most of the time and for most of the series he's old utopian yeah so then essentially you have to get another star to counter that as well yeah so who do you get i thought this because um brainwave when he's old he looks and sounds somewhat like ed harris and i was like ed harris would knock this role out of the park right now and i was like ben daniels is that actor's name and he also like the old age makeup on his face he's such a he has such a small frame that when you add the old they didn't add anything to his neck they didn't make him more heavy set as an older man so all this it just has an enormous head as an old man and a tiny little neck yeah his it's so weird the last scene of the show the last scene in the last episode where he has like a turtleneck or something and i was like he's so frail it's gonna <laughs> break so, him it's gonna break this so old man <laughs> um yeah i i was just like this is oh man i have so many notes because i was so ready to go toe to toe with you on this because i thought you were enjoying it and was like what is andrew seeing this no I, that's the reason i said that to you because i was like com- especially compared to something like invincible yeah, yeah yeah which i have some issues with as well and we'll get into those but like when you the two are I was actually planning on 
remembering what I like you asked me to do the the description for Jupiter's Legacy. I was planning on just remembering what I said and saying the exact same thing for Invincible because in a vague way they're very similar. They are. Yeah. They're both like family stories about superheroes right. trying to maintain relationships with each other, but they're very very different and they're executed very differently as well. Yeah. I, here's what I was thinking when I started watching this and maybe this is one of the reasons that it didn't feel that compelling. I at this point I think I have hit the point that you hit when you watched The Boys. I am so I, The first note I have is I'm so fucking sick of gritty superhero shows. Stop it. Stop it right now. That's the first right, note I have. I am so well one I'm so burnt out on and this it doesn't quite fit in this category, but it's close enough that I'll put it in there. I'm so burnt down on the what if superheroes really existed because they have like the daughter is like a celebrity and they and mention a drug real, addict and a drug addict and they mention real world events like Korea and Vietnam and World War Two and da 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 da. And I'm like, Which, it's taken straight out of Watchmen. Right. Exactly. And that first of all, I'm burnt out on that. Secondly, I was like, I don't have the capacity to remember another franchise like I can't uh, you know what I mean I'm gonna watch this I gotta remember all these characters and their stupid storylines and then the season gets done and I gotta wait you know a year uh, for another year to go by and then I gotta remember who these people are and what they did and what happened like I have enough I like the Umbrella Academy and I have enough trouble remembering that right and that's something I enjoy well but that's another problem I have with Jupiter's legacy like another problem with that is that I'm not gonna have any problem remembering because four things happened in this show and none of it has urgency right that was my biggest thing is like they have I would say four to maybe six different plot lines going at the same time none None of them have any sort of build. None of them feel like they're leading to anything and none of them feel like they're all going to tie themselves into each other. On a very basic level, we know this. You learn this as an actor. You learn it as a playwright. Goals and obstacles, right? What is your goal? If your characters don't have goals... It's not going to be a very compelling story. Like, the, for the most part, they're just sitting around waiting for stuff to happen. Yes. there's uh, And there's not really much conflict. They What they do, what, what I found most infuriating is they would introduce something and then whole episodes would go by where you wouldn't talk about it. And not in a way that just let it sit. It didn't forward itself, you know, because time was passing or anything like that. Like, again, spoilers for the first episode. What they make it seem is going to be the crux of the whole series is that the son of the biggest superhero in the world, the utopian, which is like our Superman character, his son, who is also a hero and probably the going to become the utopian when he gets older goes against what is what is the utopian's code which is the classic superhero code no killing no interfering in large world events things like that and he goes against the code by killing a supervillain right then it comes out that i think they said something like 75 percent of americans support the kid who killed in killing a supervillain Right. And so the question now arises, is the code outdated, which is a fascinating argument. And it is something that we haven't really seen before in in a comic book movie or a comic television series. Yeah. We've seen shades of it, but like, I don't think we've seen it as like the central narrative. Civil of a War thing. is probably the closest. The closest we got. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. 
But after they say that bit of data, 75%, they never come back to it again. They never show another news flash where it goes, uh, recent poll, 87% of Americans are now in support. 95% of, you know what I mean? Like it never, it never ratchets itself up. All that happens is apparently the kid gets punished by being sent to his room, essentially, and being made to stay in their house. And then at the end of it, he comes out. And that's the end of that. Yeah, uh, it seems like that event was only made to, like, give Josh Demel's character some, like, thought food. Like, throughout it, he's he's constantly contemplating. Right, again, some inner, right, some inner dialogue or some inner conflict. He's talking about it with his wife sometimes. Right, right. But it never builds to anything. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, other heroes come out and they're like, I don't believe in the code either. And that goes... Absolutely nowhere. It does absolutely. It makes no effect whatsoever. Yeah, that conflict has no resolution in this, and it, not even like a mini resolution. Like it doesn't have to finish. No, because there's going to be another season. But we do need some sort of catharsis with that. Right. Exactly. But that, and that's the case for pretty much everything. The daughter is a drug addict. She ODs at one point. Nothing happens with that. Dude, I, I, <laughs> my, my mom worked at a methadone clinic for like 15 years, and. Cocaine? So, like, she's she's addicted to cocaine. Being addicted to cocaine is not like being addicted to meth or crack or heroin. Being addicted to cocaine just means, like... You drive a Lamborghini. Yeah, kind of. Like, when you're, like, sitting around, you're like, man, I wish this was better. That's being addicted to, to cocaine. It's That's why it's a rich people's drug. It's mostly safe. Like, that's why rich people do it. It's not like meth or crack or heroin. So, like, <laughs> when she's like... I kept saying this to Melinda. I was like... This woman finds a bag of blue sand that fell out of a van and thinks to herself, I'm going to put this in my nose. It could be like rocks for like an aquarium. It could be fucking anything. Why would you think I'm going to put this in my nose? She somehow knows that it dr- it's drugs, apparently. You know what I mean? But like, Or she's like, I'm a superhero. What's the worst that could happen? But like, why would you think that it's... Something that's going to give you a high. high. Right. I know. I drove. Yes. I was like, well, that's a leap. That's a weird. Le-. And like you said, she she's addicted to cocaine. She's not addicted to like heroin where people, you know, and again, you know, obviously you have more real life experience than with this than I do because your mom worked there, not because you're on drugs. I just realized how I painted that. <laughs> <laughs> the, but I can see your track marks in the shot if you want to get. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'll hide them. Sorry. But like you're more likely to take a chance that of like, I think if I melt this down, I could inject this. You know what I mean? Think if I crush this up, I could smoke this with w- when you're on a meth, when you're when you're on some sort of methadone, you know, and you're yeah, on, on a drug like that or an opiate. Thank you. Whereas like you're you're right, like cocaine. You're like, no, I want cocaine. That's what I that's my drug. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. And it's just because it's like, hey, it makes life better. Like, it just yeah. makes me happier. It just enhances like things. The thing. yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not like like heroin, like totally removes all sorrow from your life, which is why it's so dangerous. Because people, I remember uh, my mom told me a person in the methadone clinic said to her, because she was like, why do you keep, like, you?" She this woman kept keep being rehabilitated and then she kept coming back and being rehabilitated and leaving and coming back. And my mom was like, "What? what is it about heroin that, like, you can't stop? And she was like, it's like a warm hug on a cold day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas cocaine is not. Cocaine is like, we're going to go fuck shit up right now and I'm never sleeping, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> we did a more convincing age makeup in our high school production of Our Town. That's just what I've written down. Yeah. Yep. Every other note is about the beards. I just have like the beards and then I have some notes and then I say the beards are so distracting and then I have some notes. And my last note is why are the beards so bad? It's so weird. I do like a show that you can measure a character's exhaustion by the length of their grunge. <laughs> like that just, that really helps track time for me. I feel like if you did like, you know, those 4D movies that you go see, I feel like this would be the worst one. Oh, yeah. Like a character would get punched in the face and the entire room would just fill with dirt. By the way, what? As a, okay. As a married man, I will also say what wife lets her husband out of the house looking like that. I mean, honestly, like what you're the, listen, you're the biggest superhero in the world. Okay. Yeah. But also, isn't that why you can? I, yes. But what I'm saying is how is it? His wife never goes like, Hey, hun, you're the biggest superhero in the world. At least tie it back on. Okay. Or at least take a shower. Yeah. Wash that thing off. Clip that, you know, maybe shape it a little. Anything. We're going to a funeral. Right. (laughs) And this is what, this is the other thing that drove me nuts about that, is it changes not one iota, no matter what the situation is. And not even like in the, the, and I'm not even talking because the fake beards are so bad. Just like as a character, like, again, you're you're at a funeral put it in a ponytail yeah. or clip it you know you're doing a press conference maybe you maybe you shape the beard a little bit especially like a dude from the 30s right. like he's so clean cut in the right. 30s and then what happened just and i know this is like the whole uh, listen this the and <laughs> that character is infuriating it's like <laughs> if superhero it's like if footloose had superheroes is essentially what they're trying to make the plot line it's really what it is like we can't because he also he's like no swearing and i'm like really yeah what are you in come on yeah to your adult child or whatever your adult children no swearing at the you know oh it's so stupid (laughs) i just it's ridiculous can i ask you a question go for it yeah yeah which time period did you like one of them more than the other the 30s i i yeah I, that whole that whole every time they did that i was like this is you know why because it was streamlined it was simple i understood the drive of where they were trying to go and what they were doing there was an urgency to it there was a clear conflict that was going on and every time they flashed to it at the end of the scene when before we went to the present day that storyline had progressed forward you know what i mean it was simple and easy i think there are two reasons for me one is all the goals and obstacles are very clear every character has a goal or either has a goal or is an obstacle in the 30s like brainwave whatever whatever the uh, the walt he so he uh he is an obstacle for most of it right to sheldon's goal which is to like figure out what this thing is by the way can i just say sheldon is the worst superhero alter ego name ever it's a good name i mean it makes sense like the 20s you know there'd be a sheldon it does it's period accurate but at the same time like if if you told me like superman's real name was sheldon i'd be like well i don't respect him anymore that's it's the end of that yeah i mean as long as it's not like brett (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be okay with it. 
Kyle. But, like, that's the first thing, right? Like, what you were talking about, I think that's mostly what you were saying, that, like, obstacles, goals, everything moves forward, everything has a purpose, it's structured very well. But, like, even the second thing for that that made that a lot more interesting to me is that I think, honest to God, I wasn't distracted by all the creepy old age makeup. Right. Well, there's that, too. A hundred percent. Yeah. There wasn't that. Like, I was able to look past and be like, oh, yeah. Like, there are characters who have real beards, not even full beards, just like regular facial hair. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they have like that grows out of their soul patch. They've got like an interesting thing with their. It's not all the same. Like, all the fake beards look the same and they don't look human. (laughs) Here's a question I have. Talking about the the flashback sequence okay that leads into because we talked about how there's several plot lines in this there's also a lot of stuff that just like doesn't quite make sense to me this was the biggest one so the union which is the group of the original six they got their powers by going to this mysterious island in the 30s and then through several trials and tribulations i guess getting rocketed to a moon on jupiter Moon of Jupiter, I should say. And then figure and like going to some, I guess aliens gave them their powers is essentially what it was. Right. And then there's this huge blast, like this energy blast from the island. And apparently that blast also affected the people who were on the boat that brought them to the island. Right. And that's and those people got some sort of powers as well. Right. So here's my question. If. The blast affected the original six and the people on the boat. That's a pretty finite group of people. How is it? Fast forward to the modern day. There's what feels like so many people with superpowers. Logically, those six people would be able to trace back every person with a superpower to someone on the boat. You know what I mean? But they can't kill them. But they can't kill them. But I'm saying like, like, for instance, I thought of this when the daughter slept with uh, the Hutch, uh, the guy. No, no, not Hutch. Not Hutch. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guy who could do Nick. stuff with time. Nick. He could freeze it's time. Nick, Nick. time. Yeah, because she. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty funny. It's because it's, it's meant okay, to be I bad. Guess. It's it's meant to be bad. So I was like, that. Yeah. All right, that's pretty good. But like. She's like, you have powers too. And I was like, wait a second. Wouldn't technically in some sort of capacity, you all kind of know each other? Because it's all separated by like just the people on that tiny rickety boat. Do you know what I mean? Or if like. Well, yeah, yeah. But their kids get powers. True. As well. But I'm saying like. So she might not know this guy. No, that's true. But really, I guess what I'm thinking is like the parents would be like, oh, yeah, Nick. He's so-and-so's son. It probably would have made more sense for her to be like, who's who's your parent? Like, who, which your, parent, yeah. you know, who was it? Which one are you? Yeah, who's your parent? Who's your grandparent? Whatever. But she also doesn't give a shit, so it's, it's true. It, you know. But I'm just like, I was like, it's like, because they also, I and maybe this isn't the case, but when they were at the, having the party where the landlord comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and then they turn back. Into, I assumed, and maybe this is just me assuming incorrectly, all those people at the party have superpowers. And I was like, that's a lot of people. Yeah, they might not. You know, maybe no, not. I guess not. But I was just like, it's essentially like you shouldn't sleep with someone who has superpowers simply because 
they're almost like your cousin at this point. Like, it's such a finite group. <laughs> they like, certainly really will be at some point. You right? really shouldn't mess with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's only point, so many people. So, like three or four generations down the road, everyone's going to be related to everyone. Yeah. Also, the aliens also gave them superpowers and also made their costumes. I know. Melinda said that, too. I don't think it's that weird. I think they could have. Like they have like, is it that unrealistic that they're like, here's some like science fiction superheroes, space magic. Also, we made you costumes only because Sky Fox's symbol on his chest is a fox. And I'm like, so did you give them their names, too? Or like what is happening right there? That's a, that's a like, Jupiter Fox. <laughs> but that's what I mean. There's like a deer. The Jupiter Fox gave them their powers. A, and that's him being like, hey, that's me. Right. There's a deer. Wear, wear a little picture on of me Utopian, on your chest. And I was like, is, is it? A, no. What's on the Utopian? Is the Utopian an I angel? I thought it was a U. It was. A, I don't know. There's some. Somebody has a deer. I think there's a deer on somebody. But like Sky Fox is clearly the head of a fox. And I was like, so the aliens put a fox on you? And then they were just like, well, you fucking figure it out. Like, call yourself something. Well, to something. be fair, Sky Fox... His power is he's like a technopath and he can like control things. So maybe he just like instantly made a change to it. I get it. Sure. Okay. Maybe. I know it's a bit of a stretch. I, but that's what I mean. I was like, yeah. those are very specific. It wasn't just like the leotard and the cape. Like that, I would have been like, okay, I get it's it. It's possible. What if they What if they did give them their names? What if that was part of it? That like, these are the same six people over and over again. You, the Utopian Sky Fox. You fill in the role of Sky Fox and you fill in the Blue role Bolt of Utopian. Yeah. Well, then it's a good thing that they're very powerful aliens because they're shitty name givers. Okay. <laughs> the Utopian's pretty good. It's th- That's not bad. But like Blue Bolt, I'm like, listen, if you're a higher intelligence being and you can, and you're so technologically advanced, you can bestow superpowers to six people, yeah. you could put a little more thought into the name. And also, Grace, her superhero name is Lady Liberty, which probably was No, not. that was definitely not given to her by... Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, so you made a costume, and then you gave them a very specific icon, and then they're like, so you... Whatever you do, you can call yourself whatever you want, but you... You probably want to make it like Blank Fox or The Fox or something like that. Just like yeah, yeah, yeah. we've done this on a couple of different with a couple of different species <laughs> and we find it really helps if you match the name to the symbol. So we'll go ahead and give you the symbol. You guys figure it out from there. Also, we'd stay away from Star Fox just because in 70 years it's going to get a little just hairy. Yeah, just trust us. We can see it in the future and it's going to get a little weird. So yeah. I wouldn't. Did you recognize uh, the actress who plays Lady Liberty from the MCU? Yeah, she is. Uh, she's the reporter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who in real life is Sam Rockwell's uh, wife. Oh, I didn't know that. They met on Iron Man 2. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they had the same acting teacher. And so he was preparing in some sort of way that the acting teacher teaches and she recognized it. And then she's like, why do you do that with the script? And he's like, oh, my acting teacher would kick my ass if I didn't do this. She's like is your acting teacher so-and-so? And he's like, yes, it is. Yeah. And then they fell madly in love with each other. Aw. Yeah. They should make a movie about that. They should. It'd be more entertaining than this. <laughs> so, uh, wait, where's the... Uh, there's one other thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> this one I thought of you specifically for. This happens in episode five. I just wrote down, what kind of monster throws away a sandwich after one bite? You oh, the bagel? I, no, the mom. The mom brings a sandwich. Oh. 
to oh, the yeah. sun. And he's like, do, she's like, do you want a sandwich? And he's like, no. And she takes one bite and then she throws it away. So apparently the code for not killing people doesn't extend to starvation. Okay. <laughs> Melinda said that same thing about when the dad brings bagels to Chloe's apartment and he's like, well, can I use your toaster at least? And she's like, sure. And he like toasts the bagel. He puts like cream cheese on it. He takes one bite and then he's like, well, I guess I'll be going. And then he just leaves. Have we done a pet peeves episode or did we just do that in my head? <laughs> I don't think we've done one. And that's that's an episode I've been wanting to do. Of, but like, I pet... don't see that one's not one for me for a couple reasons. It is one, now. <laughs> no, it's for, for me a couple now. reasons. OK, sure. But for me, a couple reasons why it's not one, because when you're filming a scene you're gonna do that scene a hundred times and you got you're gonna eat a hundred bites of right. or you need a hundred bagels no but two because it shows at least that one and the the sandwich one too a little bit i mean she probably should have just sat it on the table or something but like it does show that like she's trying to be closer to her son and be like hey right. you know i'm just being nice and then she's like well this isn't working so i'm done with it in the same way that the utopian was just using the bagel as an excuse to come in and talk to his daughter no that's fine i understand that i agree with you on all fronts on that i think my pet peeve is like logically no one takes like one bite of things and then just leaves it pick it take it to go have you seen her well, that's true. Yeah, that's probably her entire meal for the day. Yeah, are you kidding? That's like a three-course meal for that yeah, woman. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's not body shaming. She's just very, she is very thin. Yeah. Yeah. She's naturally very thin. And if you see her in, what is her name? I, it's not Missy Pyle. Leslie Bibb. Thank you. Yeah, if you see her in anything, she's a very, very thin person. I just, I'm just like, she threw it, but she like took it and then she threw it away. <laughs> and I was like, you monster. How dare you? Yeah. Just like, hold Hold on to it. That take the bagel yeah. to go. You're gonna be hungry eventually. Take the bagel to go. You know what I mean? I, that's what I mean. That's my. That I, I understand the logistics of like the taking the one bite and then not eating it because you're gonna eat you know tons of these things over the course of eighty takes or whatever. I'm like, just at the end of the scene. But he wasn't hungry. He didn't want the bagel. He was just using it as an excuse to talk to he's her. He's always hungry. He's a huge man. So just like at the end of the scene, just take the bagel in your hand. As you're leaving, can you imagine? Listen, let me tell you, as a heavily bearded man, yeah, the cream cheese, right? It's not the first choice. No, I know, but I know, I know. I know this has been thicker in, in the past. Oh, I don't want to fucking hear that from you. You have no listen, idea. Listen, I'm just saying I understand. I understand the, the facial hair to cream ratio. OK, I get no. what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I hear you. I'm with you. I hear We're you. We're going to have to move on from this discussion before my beard punches you in the face. Listen, I'm not saying your beard punches can... you in your nearly clean shaven face. Listen, 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 you're your beard could beat up my beard. I'm not saying that they, it couldn't. It's clearly a superior beard. Okay. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that I get taken one bite. Then just at the end of the scene, just grab it and like, I'm going to take this with me. Like, that's all you got to do. It's all you got to do. That Would it have been an improvement? If he took one bite and then was like, oh, I forgot I have this on. And then he took his beard off and started eating the bagel. And then he spirit gummed it back on at the end. Yes, because I assume that's what he does every day with the way that thing looks. That would actually be a great alias. Like if he was still trying to make it look like that would have been much like better. he was like not the real person, not him, you know, and he was like still being Sheldon is different than the utopian. He could like pop his beard off. Yes, 100 percent. That would have been so much better. How much longer do you want to talk about this? We still got other stuff we got to talk As about. As long 
long as you want, man. Let's let's. This is going to be an extended version of our show. It's definitely oh for sure. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> you okay? Uh, this is a, uh, for some reason episode five was a big one for me. The ki- the guy, what's his name with the wand? Oh, which Hutch, by the way, yeah, I will yeah, say yeah, that yeah, was like pretty that. cool. Most of these, the, one of the big things for me. And we'll kind of touch on it more in Invincible. But one of the big things for me was the other part of this that I hated was most of this was powers and things that I've never that I have a hundred percent seen before. Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh god, yeah. this, okay, you're this one, and you're this one, and you're this one. That one I will at least go. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and the way that it worked, and the way that it worked, that it only works with him, yeah. and it can transport him or he can transport it, which was cool. Like when he was, and like, he doesn't have to be within listening distance like it can be on the moon or whatever and he just says home and it comes back to him yeah that was pretty cool but <laughs> he's tr- the he's getting away from the utopian and he says he says something like idaho and he transports to idaho in the middle of a road and then immediately starts running <laughs> why where are you going I had the thought too. he could just be like over there right i would be like uh, but for me i'm like say three things in a row just go like idaho arkansas australia and then he has no idea where you are like you just zip zap zap all over the place and you could go anywhere he just starts running down the highway north by northwest style so how fast is the utopian? Because my other thing, my thought when I was watching the last, no, the second to last episode where they get their powers is like, OK, this is on a moon on Jupiter. He at one point leaves. Uh, they're having sex and he has to he's like, oh, there's an asteroid that's about to hit Earth. I can hear it. And he leaves and he goes into space so he can move at super speed and he can travel in space. So my thought was, have you ever gone back to that moon? Have you ever like gone to that weird yeah. glowing tree fair, again? It might and just be been like too, too far. far? But yeah. that's what I mean. I don't know. Yeah, Part yeah, of yeah. that was like But yeah, have you ever gone back to the island? Is that portal still open? This is what I'm saying. This is what I, yeah. I mean, maybe that'll be answered in future seasons. Things that like also, that. It was just like, like he, he might be able if he can hear an asteroid or whatever up in the moon, that might be how he could find Hutch anywhere as well. Right. Right. Why do I care about the daughter and her awesome life? Why do I care about her? Like this is that yeah. this like when we to touch back on the the drugs uh, and everything. And she like almost overdosed on the the. Uh, aquarium dust. <laughs> they try and build it like it's this dramatic thing of like, oh, woe is her. She's an addict and she can't. She just can't escape this. And I was like, her life's awesome. Like, why would I care? Why do I care about you? If you were in a trailer park, yeah, she threw a car at a person and had no repercussions. She lost her agent. Yeah, you're in a penthouse right now. You have friends who can fix all your problems. Like, you're famous. You're rich. I would assume in some sort of capacity. You have superpowers. I don't care if you overdose. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't care if you find a random bag on the road and put it in your brain and then you die. And I like I I feel for you. You shouldn't have done that. But I feel like it's fairly obvious. Right. But also, like, if you died in that moment, I'm like, you're she's like 25. And I'm like, you've had a better life than most people have had in 70 years. So if you died at that moment, I'm like, damn, you like lived hard and left a good looking corpse. I don't give a shit if you die in this moment. Why do I care about your awesome life? What's so sad about it? That's sort of what we were talking about with like if there's uh, maybe we weren't talking about this. I might have been talking about this with Melinda that like we were talking about. She was talking about this is going to send you off on a tangent, but try not to. Uh, we were talking 
talking about? She was talking about how um, she thinks it was inspired by or that Netflix was trying to do what This Is Us does and try to put like a twist at the end of every episode that no one would expect. And I was like, I disagree with that. And one of the things I was saying was like, an event isn't a twist. Like, just because something happens. Like, she was talking about, like, oh, the dad jumped off the roof. And I was like, yeah, he lost all his investments in the stock market. And then he was up on the roof. Like, what did you what did you think he was going to do? Of course he was jumping. If anything, it was foreshadowed. And I was saying also that, like, if there's no conflict as well, then, like, it's just a story about people who are the best at everything and then they win because they're the best at everything. Like the the arc of the well-made place since before biblical times has been that the hero has to get to a point where it looks like he's losing, he or she is losing, and then there is a surprise that motivates our hero to somehow overcome, but it's a surprise that makes sense, but we had not realized yet. That's the, the like, that's what we all look for. That's what we hope for is we're like, oh, it's happened, and in, in Marvel has this down to a T in the MCU, and it's that same sort of thing, right? Is that like, ah, oh, this person has everything, and then she finds a random bag of dust, she doesn't know what it is. It could be literally anything. And then she snorted it. Oh, no, she's going to die. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, of course she is. Right. I mean, they're trying. They were trying to make like a very human show, but they failed because, first of all, they start introducing things like, you know, the questioning of the code and things like that. But they never really push it. Like, he's like, should I give up the code? Oh, wait, what was that? Oh, we got to go do this thing over here now. And then they never really come back to it. There's no, there's no, you know, it's all on him to just be like, I don't know. Maybe I should give up the code. Is the code outdated? I don't know. Maybe it is. And he's just kind of sitting around pondering the whole time. The thing about This Is Us is that, yeah, they use that as a structural element of like that twist at the end that ties the episode together. But they're doing it. It's not. The show isn't about necessarily the twist. The show is about the relationships and the characters. And they're using the twist as like a structural thing to tie different storylines together and show parallels between the two, like two parallels between storylines. We're not going to get into This Is Us again. But the point is... Yeah, agree to disagree. Right. But the point is, well, you've seen like one episode. So what are you talking about? I've seen the first season. Okay. So, but, but my point is like this, they didn't do that. This, they had two parallels storylines running and you knew kind of where one was going to end because obviously we see that they have superpowers but they never use those two parallel storylines to run and emphasize different emotional aspects of each other or character aspects of each other they were just two storylines that were running separate from each other but even stuff like like when there's i think it's like the second or third episode when you you quote find out that uh hutch is george's son and I, I remember, I forget what really sold it, but I remember being like, oh, what was, there was something that 100% I was like, oh yeah, that's it. But even in the storytelling and the like cinematography, the, like every time it would talk about George, it would, a- after we saw George, it would cut like in the, the 30s, it would cut to the modern day and show Hutch every single time. Or, or he'd be like, ah, I wish I knew where my dad was. And then it would cut to George back in the 30s and I was like oh that's what this is and then it was like oh he's got a picture of George it's a surprise and I was like I'm yeah I thought we already I thought we knew that I thought we figured that out yeah we're there already yeah this was this was just this was boring that's that's the biggest Carl sin of this whole thing
whole thing to sum it up. Like it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just boring. It was just there. It just kind of sat there. It's got a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I can see that. But it's got a much higher fan count or whatever, fan percentage. I, I did put not interested in this. Some of it is fine. Don't mind the 1930s stuff. And my last note on it is... I miss fun. Remember when superhero stories were fun? No one wants to do fun superhero stories anymore. Right, right. So then let's use that to transition into Invincible. All right. So Invincible, I'll do the sum up this time. You ready? Invincible is based on the the comic of the same name by Robert Kirkman, who's the guy who also created The Walking Dead. And it's on Amazon Prime. It is about basically the son of Omni-Man, who is this universe's uh, Superman entity when he gets his powers that's not really i'll say spoiler for all of invincible but that's not really a spoiler because it happens in like the first episode and then him kind of finding his own way into becoming a superhero and to becoming the superhero that he's going to be i'll kind of leave it at that with that you think feel like that's an accurate description of it yeah yeah, and then there are some twists and turns. Certain characters might not be who you think they are, and uh, some villains may actually be good guys or neutral people, and some good guys may be villains, or you don't really know what's going on. Right. The main thrust of the story is, like, Mark trying to find his way and trying to figure out who Invincible, which is his superhero e- alter ego, who Invincible really is going to be, and and kind of the cause and effect of, of discovering all those things. What did you... Now, I'll confess. Unlike Jupiter's Legacy, I've read Invincible. I've read all of Invincible. You have not. Am I right in this? No, I haven't. Okay. So I'm curious. What is so? I'm what not did you big on words? Mm, I can see that about you. Literature. Sure. Vegetables. Yeah. You get me. I get you. I get you. So what did you think of this? Better. Okay. I saw it first, and I was like, "Mm, this is fine, I guess. It's pretty good. I like these aspects. I don't like these other things about it. But it's mostly fine. Some of it's kind of slow and boring. And then I watched Jupiter's Legacy, and I was like, oh, no, that was... That was pretty good. Right, compared <laughs> to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like I said, I've read all of Invincible. I really enjoy the comic. So part of this was if you've read Invincible and you enjoyed it and you're like, I love Invincible, I'm going to watch the show. Don't bother because it is exactly like the comic. I Now, that's not all of it because it's like 25 trade paperbacks. But I, I mean, you would know better than me, but like as someone who loves the Scott Pilgrim comics and the movie is basically the exact same of that, it's still, for me, it's still fun and enjoyable. It's still enjoyable. Yeah, I will say this. I, at fr- the first episode or so, I was like, okay, because I know where all this is going to go. Like they'd introduce a character and I'm like, oh, that's that guy. And this is what happens to him in this and this. And then I started to just kind of like sink into it and i was like i'm still really enjoying this and i did actually enjoy this i mean the cast is amazing it's a the little cast bit is like, like if you have a favorite book and then you get the audiobook and it, the cast is like incredible it's a little bit like that right like you already know what's going to happen but you want to hear or in I this case see who's it portray yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 the cast is incredible and because it's animated they're able to do anything and everything which is also great they're not limited really by budget or anything like that so they can really go balls to the wall and they do first of all here's what i liked different from jupiter's legacy i felt like this worked better instead of feeding into the tropes of like 
What if superheroes really existed? What I appreciate about this is they don't seem to lean into that. They just create like this is an alternate world. Like this is full blown comic book world. Bright colors and crazy shit happening. There's superheroes and villains, aliens, magic, all the crazy shit that you expect from any sort of comic book universe. It's not a what if comic uh, what if superheroes really existed in the real world? I kind of disagree with that. I get what you're saying, but like for me it's like there's so much like there's so many heads exploding, there's so many intestines like uh, it's it feels very much to me like oh no, if this person was able to just blow up people with shooting eye lasers, this is what it would look like and this is how many people would die. Yeah, it's more graphic for sure and it's more realistic as well. Well, but it's also like it's not necessarily that it's more graphic. That is something that we can talk about because it is incredibly graphic. But it's more that like cuz like a Superman comic could have Superman just like slicing people in half with his eye lasers and you don't have to see it. It could be off screen, but he doesn't. Uh, and even like Zod could do that, but he never does. Like even in the movies, he, he doesn't ever really kill anyone by shooting people with his eye lasers when really he should just be able to like look at people and just be like, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And so like in that way, it's it, it is a little bit more like a quote, real gritty superhero story. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, it wasn't like, you know, and then superheroes solved the Vietnam crisis. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it's that. It's not, there's no mention of that. They're just like, nah, there's just crazy shit in this world and that's, you're just jumping right in the middle of you know, this comic book universe. It's just this. There's all this crazy shit going on. It's been going on the whole time. We're not addressing how it fits into a real world or any sort of thing. It's nothing like that. It's a full on, this is a comic book universe with all the comic book trappings and tropes, which for someone who's burnt out on what if superheroes really existed? I was like, this is kind of refreshing. At least that I'm like, yeah, I'll just... Going to a fully a fully established universe right now. I think it might have been better for me if I watched it after Jupiter's Legacy because I did. I watched it and I was sure. like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just not feeling it anymore. Everybody's got their own take on like, oh yeah, all that other shit. Wrong. This is what this it would is be right. like, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I do like that they saved the tone for like that last ten minutes of the first episode. Yeah, I like that as well. I actually felt like it maybe shouldn't have continued after that as much. Like, I love that like they didn't do anything, and then it's just like, oh my god, this is so much. And and then every episode after that has the same thing in it, and I was like, oh okay, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. I oh I can see that. Yeah, because the whole mystery is so. Spoiler alert: Omni Man who seems like the ultimate hero is actually essentially a villain, right? And who at the end of the first episode, again, spoilers, heavy spoilers at the end of the first episode kills what is essentially their justice league, right? In a very graphic, like 10 minute sequence. I like that leading up that whole episode felt like a normal, like DC animated movie. 
And then all of a sudden they enter. But I see what you're saying. Maybe since the mystery is like, did Omni, did, who killed the Guardians of the Universe? Don't have such graphic stuff until like him being the villain is introduced. Right. Sure. Or even just like just half of what it was. Like uh, for me, it was like uh, I just became increasingly desensitized. And I was like, oh, that guy's head exploded, I guess. But that's what I mean. It's like uh, you you go back to the DC animated universe like feeling of it because it's the idea of like this guy did a did this thing but then is trying to hide behind the guise of everything is bright and shiny and I'm the ultimate superhero. So it still looks that way to everyone else until he reveals his true nature and then the graphic stuff comes out. I think that could work, yeah. Because I did, yeah. I started to get like, it either would like take me out and I'd be like, I don't know about this. I'm like, I don't like this. Or I started to get desensitized to it where I was like, oh yeah, that guy's brain is just on the ground now, I guess. Right, 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 right. I will say beards are better. Beards are much better. Than Jupiter's legacy. Yeah. Beards are a whole lot (laughs) better. Yeah. That is not the last time you're going to see that strong of a mustache, let me tell you. Oh, man. Just let me tell you. Well, it looked like, uh, I mean, I don't know much about it, but it looked like every man from that planet had a mustache. Yep. So They all have them. They all have that strong. I love, I, that is a detail I love from the comic that, like, for some reason they decided that that race just has, like, the manliest porn stashes. <laughs> every single male has it. <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson has the most meta cameo ever. Do you know how Reginald Bell Johnson is? I removed him from my cast list because I have never heard of him. He's Carl Winslow oh. from uh, Family Matters. Yeah, yeah. And he's the cop in Die Hard. And the high school, and this is true in the comics too, the high school is named Reginald Bell Johnson. Hi. Oh, that's very and funny. And then in the comic, this is true as well, they draw the principal to look like Reginald Bell Johnson. Very good. And then for the show, they took it a step further and the voice is Reginald Bell Johnson. That's very good. And I was like, that's fucking meta right there. That's fantastic. So well, good the on ca- you. I, in all honesty, like Jupiter's legacy, I honestly believe, and I don't, this is, this goes back to sort of what we were talking about at the beginning where I was saying like the beards I can put my finger on. I know what's wrong with them and I could make them better. But with the acting, I'm not entirely sure, but I do feel like the cast is sort of lacking something in Jupiter's legacy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. It's just, there's something, there's a glow. There's like a charm that just isn't drawing me in about these characters or the, yeah. the way they're being portrayed. There's like a star power. Maybe. Yeah. But like every single person in invincible Every character is cast so well to the point that like a lot of them are big names and most of them are people that I've heard of and love. But even like I was like, I don't know who Stephen Ewan is. Like I looked him up and I was like, oh, he was in The Walking Dead, I guess. But I I, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's great. Yeah, he's really good. He's fantastic. And Like you've got J.K. Simmons, Ozzie Beats, Walton Goggins, uh, Jillian Jacobs, Zachary Quinto, Andrew Rannells, Clancy Brown, Mark Hamill, Mahershala Ali, John John Hamm, Hamm, Seth Rogen, Jonathan Groff, which is great because you get one I don't remember the king's name but the king he played in Hamilton they both played them that's right Jonathan Groff and Andrew Rannells and they're like King George yeah King George and they're both like loving each other in this it's great Michael Dorn Jimon Hansu Ezra Miller for all fucking people Justin Roiland makes a cameo so weird and Mae Whitman incredible this cast is insane Every, it's it's nuts it, it's because it's what's nice is there's so many characters that you can just have somebody you know like uh, the guy from Burn Notice is the guy who he's a machine head and he's great but like you could get a guy like that and you're like yeah you're gonna do like it's gonna this is gonna be like an hour and a half of work you know what I mean? Like, you're going to walk into a recording booth, record for an hour and a half, then leave. Like, John Hamm 
has like three scenes. Like, why do you get John Hamm for three scenes? Because because you can because it's like an hour and a half worth of work. And they're like, John, we well, can and I do wonder how much of this was recorded from home during sure. COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you can do that, too. Well, what's amazing, by the way, Stephen Yoon, you said you, you didn't know who he was. Stephen Yoon did The Walking Dead. He does this. Also just nominated for an Oscar this last year. For what? For, um, I'm going to mispronounce this. Hold on a second. The Father. Nope, it wasn't The Father. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Nope, nope, nope. Billy nope, Holiday. Nope, nope, nope. The one you're that just the guy naming, from Get Out. You're just naming things that I talked about. The Deaf Drummer one. Nope, nope. Uh, hold on. Those are all the movies. The one with Francis McDormand. No. That's all of them. Nope. No, hold on. Minari. I'm going to, I'm mispronouncing, I'm probably mispronouncing this. It's called Minari. Great. Thanks. Yeah, Thank you. you don't know what this is. <laughs> I know you don't know what this is. I know. But uh, yeah, so while this show was going on, he was also nominated for an Oscar as well. Like he's, it's, it was kind of like a great parallel that he has this going and he's got that going and he's kind of breaking out right now. Not the point. That was a weird tangent. I'm going to move on from this now. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny because most of my, the stuff I want to talk about with it, I have to figure out if I'm talking about the comic or if I'm talking about the show because it so closely follows the comic that I was like, well, I mean, I can just talk about what I love about the comic because I actually really love Invincible the books and I don't want to be the guy who's like the book's better than the movie <laughs> but the book is better than the movie is it though you said it's exactly the same it's well the plot lines are like exactly the same it doesn't follow they condensed this down into eight episodes for I would say I don't even know like the first six volumes or something like that. I'd have to look at it. Somebody else knows. Someone who's listening to this right now is yelling in the middle of the sidewalk at their own phone as I'm trying to talk about what volumes of Invincible this covers. And they're like, you're an idiot. And I am. I am. But again, this is a vast story. It goes over like 25 trade paperbacks that I almost assigned to you at one point. All 25? No, I would. I was going to say like, oh, just get through whatever you get through and we'll talk about it. What I like about this, what uh, and again, this is more about the book itself, but just in the nature of the story that they're telling. What I like about this is this is very much, and I think it's more well done than Jupiter's Legacy. It is very much a story that exists between the punches. So like we said, like this is the story of Mark trying to figure out who he is as a superhero and coming of age. And for me, the most the best example of this is um, when he meets the the alien who like is coming to earth and he keeps coming to earth. And I don't know if they say it in the show, but what they, what they were trying to insinuate is like, this guy shows up every like eight years and normally Omni-Man goes out there, kicks his ass. And then this guy fucks off. And then every eight years, this guy shows up and that's all that's happening. And Mark goes out and they start fighting. And then Mark is the first one ever to have the idea. Why don't I talk to this person? Like that, that right there is something you never really think of in a superhero movie. But Mark is figuring out who he is as a superhero. And through doing that and, f- and through talking to him, figuring out a way of resolving this conflict, he goes, oh, I don't have to punch people as much. That's a superhero. That's the type of superhero I can be. And it was like, that's an interesting story to tell. That's much more well done than what Jupiter's legacy was trying to do, is trying to tell a family story in between the punches. And they 
the reason I think this one works better is that every storyline that they go, every little arc that they do, whether it's the alien coming coming to Earth or it's um, when he helps uh, the guy defeat the crime boss or things like that. These are all lessons. They're all parables for Mark to learn and to go through. Every single storyline feeds into one singular overarching theme, and that is who is Invincible going to become? There, it doesn't muddle with four different things that never gets resolved. Everything goes towards this overarching thing of who is this character going to become? You know, it actually reminded me of the book, The Once and Future King, which is actually the book that Professor X talks about at the end of X-Men, right? The Once and Future King is the story of King Arthur, and it's told in three parts, and it is essentially the story, it starts when King Arthur is a child, when he's a man, and then at the end of Camelot. And it's the story of who King Arthur becomes, and it's how he becomes King Arthur. And it was like, everything in that book talks about it tells the story of how Arthur becomes the person that he becomes. Everything that happens in Invincible tells the story of how Mark becomes the hero that he becomes. It's one overarching thing. That's what makes this work so much better than Jupiter's Legacy. You know what you would really like? Books. Dragon Ball Z. I fucking hate you. The first episode of Dragon Ball, Goku is, I think, six years old. Mm-hmm. And, like, it steadily ages him until he's, like, an old man. I think, like, as he starts to hit middle age, there's, like, some sci-fi wacky business that, like, makes him a child again, and it sort of starts over. But it is a, like, every episode he is a little bit older than he was before. Right, right. Yeah, and it just works towards one overarching theme. And you have little arcs in there, little conflicts, but it feeds to move this thing forward. Whereas Jupiter's Legacy didn't feel like it moved forward at all. It just sat for a while. The main three differences in this, the like Invincible is a much better version of a very similar kind of story than Jupiter's Legacy. And the main three differences, maybe four, are obstacles, Mm -hmm. goals, Mm -hmm. Uh, and how they progress the story. Yeah. The cast. Yeah. Uh, and the beards. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's really, at the end of the day, folks, that's all you need for storytelling. <laughs> cast, obstacles, and beards. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the reading assignment then. Let's do it. I'm really fascinated by this because I had a, I was 99.5% sure that you weren't a horror person. And like I said, this is a, this is a thing I've been reading for a little while. And I'm not sure if you were lo- going to like this or not. But also I was like, I'm not sure if what I'm reading is garbage and I'm enjoying it or if it's good and I'm enjoying it. But <laughs> go ahead and talk about, about the reading assignment. Absolutely. So you assigned for me Maniac of New York. I'm just going to read this page off of my tablet. Maniac of New York is about a sociopath, presumably from New York, but he doesn't look like any New Yorker I've ever met, who began terrorizing an entire population of people in 2016. Society is miserable, trying to ignore this mindless lunatic, but as much as they try... Their lives are made more difficult by this crazed psycho every day. Fast forward to 2021, society is still living with this felon controlling their lives and have even put new rules and systems in place to ensure the destruction is kept to a minimum. They've also now put a new official in charge of repairing the damage and keeping this diagnosable loon off of Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry. Wait. Uh, sorry. I was, I was reading the Wikipedia page for Donald I Trump. I was waiting for sorry. it. I knew I was. I was like, this is. I could feel it happening as it was going on. <laughs> sorry, everyone. I had the wrong Thank page. Thank you. Sorry. Very good. Very, very good. 
Very <laughs> good. You, thank you. I'm very proud of that. That one was really good. It's all true too. It's all the. I mean, not the the Donald Trump thing, but like that's the description of the story. It's 100 percent true. That is true. Like even the years 2016 to 2021. I know. I know. It's pretty amazing. All right. Uh, jokes aside. If those were jokes, it's written by uh, Elliot Kalin, and the art is by Andrea Muti. They both also uh, are the creators of this comic, and it's published by Aftershock Comics. It's an ongoing series, but we're going to go through the first four issues to give you a sense of whether or not this is for you, the reader, the listener, the buyer, the consumer. Oh, yeah. The proletariat. Sorry. Well, and lastly, I don't know why I wrote this after all of that, but it follows Gina Green, who's a newly employed Maniac Task Force director, and Zelda Pettibone, Pettibone? a downtrodden cop who's sort of the only cop assigned to look at the victims of, uh, hom- no, Maniac Harry. Right. Right? Maniac Harry? Is no, Homicide Harry? It's not. So I put like a list of things that I dislike about it, and that's the first one. I put, it clearly should have been Maniac of Manhattan and Homicidal Harry. It should have been both of those. It's so ridiculous that it's not. It's so obvious. But I think it's like Maniac Harry or Harry the Maniac or something like that. I'm hot and cold on it. Okay. Some some stuff I really like, some stuff I don't. I did some research into the writer. I don't know how much you know about any of this. I know a little bit. I think he was on, did he write for SNL? He was the head writer on The Daily Show for a while. The Daily Show. I was like, he was a, I know he's a comedy writer. And he, uh, (laughs) well, we can get into that later because I have like sort of rundowns on the writer and the artist but it's um so it opens with the statement quote the dead are the lucky ones because they i have written here because they remember mourning they remember nothing is what it says right which doesn't really fit the tone Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of build up and then horror in this at least not issue to issue for me. Right. There's a lot of like, we got to figure out what we're going to do because it's important to me. Yeah, well, you don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's a lot more of a, I put here, like the influences are not only Friday the 13th and Halloween, but also Lethal Weapon. Uh, yeah. Where it's like the rampaging, I'm going to do what I got to do to protect the city and the I'm getting too old for this shit character. Right. Who's like, I don't <laughs> right, know about right, that. Right. I'm just going to smoke my cigarette and drink my drink. Drink my drink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like this doesn't really know what it wants to be. Okay. Like, Elliot Kalin, the writer, has a podcast where he talks about bad movies, and this feels like a result of that show. Ah. And not in, like, this is bad, but sort of in that, like, like I wrote here, I'm not entirely sure how, but it is at the exact same time. It is both the best version of a bad 80s horror film mm-hmm. and a really interesting and cool idea right. that I think right. needs the dialogue to be rewritten a bit. Like, it does yeah. feel a little stale at times, the dialogue. It doesn't feel like—I think this might be this guy's, like, first comic yeah. or, like, first, like, fiction piece. And it does feel a little bit like that. It feels a little— a little clunky at times in the dialogue or like yeah. or like a little cliched. There's a lot of cliche in this, which I I feel like it's trying to do that. Mm-hmm. But I also don't really like it that much, that part of it. Right. But that being said, comics are the perfect medium for this kind of story. Like with Friday the 13th and Halloween, the directors and writers are always like having to manufacture a reason that these slow moving killers can catch up with them. 
right, like right. the keys fall on the ground while they're trying to get in the house or the car won't start or like their clothes get caught on a fence or something. But like here, it's not super clear how fast this guy is moving or like how close he is to the characters. So like that stuff works really well. And it's very interesting. And someone the guy can just sort of like Appear. pop up behind you yeah. and murder you yeah. without being there the frame before. Right. Whereas in a movie, you'd be like, wait, why didn't we hear him? Why didn't we see him? It, it works really well in this. I think it's a great comic for people who like horror but are completely new or uninvolved with comics. Yeah, I could see, definitely see that. I was enjoying this. I still am. It's funny because I enjoy this and agree with you for all of its faults. I think that and it's hard to tell. I will say it's hard to tell if the faults that you're describing are are put there on purpose right. because... To make it feel like an 80s be, to horror To make it feel like thing. an 80s horror yeah. movie or that it feels like at, at the very least it's coming out of an 80s horror movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like I do enjoy again they have the trope of like the young girl from the camp who survived and she's now... Right. And that is sort of the plot of Friday. Like it, this is sort of like if there were no sequels to Friday the 13th. Right. Here's Friday the 13th like... 20 years, years later. later. Exactly. Yeah. And so now she's this other person and what the psychological toll that that takes and her drive to on life and things like that. And that's what I mean. I don't know. I, I think some of those things that we're talking about their the writer is conscious of. Yeah, I agree. I think he's aware of doing that because you almost have to put those tropes in. Otherwise, it loses. I think that it essence. is intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which if it was unintentional, I would be a lot more like, hey, man, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. it felt unintentional, I'd be like, this isn't good. This is bad. Yes. Knowing that I'm pretty sure it is intentional. I'm like, I get it. I right. don't know that it's for me. I think if I see that I'm going to keep with it. And I think if I see the story through, yeah. I might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But I don't know if the like stale dialogue, the 80s stale dialogue is really for me right now. But right. I'll, I'll stick with it and see. Yeah, it's definitely one of those that I'm going to stick with it for a little while. It's also one that, you know, if you start reading it and you're like, it's not for you, it's easy to kind of jump off it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't feel like, all right, I'm going to get off of this, but like, I feel like I'm going to be messing something if I don't. Like, right, right, it's, right. It's really kind of, it is casual in that way. Yeah, it, it has no bones about what it is. Yes. From the first five pages, you know exactly what, you don't know what the story is going to be, but you know whether or not you're going to like it. Yeah. If you're not even passingly interested in yeah. the, these type of horror movies. Right. Again, even if you don't like horror movies, if you're just like, I like movies, you know what I mean? And Friday the 13th, Halloween, Freddy Krueger. Those are, I don't want to say important movies, but they help to shape a very big genre of film. For sure. And so this is playing into that. If you're like, I just like movies, like I love the art of movies, this, even that that would be enough to, I think, enjoy this on some tangential level. Yeah. But that being said, if you start reading this and you're like, yeah, but I don't like this. I'm like, <laughs> you don't feel like, well, there's a mist, a giant MacGuffin brewing in the distance and right. I, I feel like I'm not going to f- you know, maybe if I yeah. stick with it. You definitely get a feel for who all of these characters are immediately, mm-hmm. including the homicidal maniac who you don't know who he is, but you're like, oh, OK, I get this. Like, I understand. Right. This. Yeah. It's a lot of tropes. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, they kind of tease like maybe you'll figure out who he is. And in some ways I'm like, I don't actually care if I never yeah. figure out who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll take it. I'll take it yeah. as like face value of like, yeah, this is a guy. That's the other. I will say that the other thing I really like is kind of the brilliance of the simplicity of this. Like page one, you just jump right in. 
and you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like in the same way that you said, it's very comfortable with what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, page one, they're like, yep, there's a homicidal maniac. He's been around forever, and that's just the way it is. Can bullets kill him? Nope. Yeah. Where <laughs> does he live? Nobody knows. Yeah. Does that matter? Not important. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Like, let's just go into it. For sure. Which in that way, I'm like, that's kind of refreshing. Just like having the confidence of being like, yeah, you don't need all that other shit. You yeah. don't need to know all this details. We're just gonna kind of barrel through with this. And the things that are important will come up as we go. Right, exactly. If it, if it all of a sudden becomes important, we'll build a story around it. But until now, who gives a shit? There is some stuff as well that I felt is, um, I guess I'm skipping all the way to the end, where uh, uh, the, the I wrote like list of things I didn't really like about it. But the only other thing I didn't really like about it is it does feel a little predictable at times. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, I won't spoil this. I feel like we could talk about this whole thing without spoiling it, but there is a yeah because there's only four issues and and it's an ongoing. I I'm like ninety nine, but I mean sure even like ongoing. without spoiling the things, like we can sort of talk about this whole thing pretty vaguely. I right, think, right. but there there is a thing that like is made it's made to to me at least very very clear what they were going to do and like what was going to happen right. just by like the way the characters are acting and certain items get exchanged at the beginning and I was like oh this is okay right. and then like 10 pages later it was like oh no is this person gonna and it was like oh no they did the thing yeah they did exactly <laughs> what you thought they were gonna do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's again I think because they're not trying to pull the wool over someone's over your eyes with it yeah yeah then well it's also I mean again this thing is very much full of 80s tropes which yeah. I can't appreciate like so is Stranger Things and we love that show right, so right. is Paper Girls and we right, love that book right so like there is like the trope of of the detective who's full of gumption and has a personal, you know, need to like solve the case, and, and then there's also with like the jagged edged rundown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The like alcoholic right. who's like super uh, cynical about right. ever being able to solve this thing, and then all these other like the the. It is a trope to like hone in on this is the thing. This is the important thing. It's going to be important later. And then it's important later. So like, yeah, I I get that. And it's not it's interesting that earlier I said you're going to know whether or not you like this right away. I guess I didn't mean that because I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, it's funny because the first I would say two issues. I was like, I'm really into this. Yeah. And then the next two, I was still into it. But I'm like, I and again, I could not find if this is a limited series or not. I think it's an ongoing series, but I could not figure it out. And so the first story arc takes place mainly on like a subway train. And I was like, that's... I, I think that's where I started to be like, oh, we're just trapped on this train. Because I, mean, I am really interested in like this New York that they've built of like, <laughs> you know, this guy just runs around everywhere, just like killing people. And they built a, new, a kind of gritty New York around that identity. And I was like, I do want to explore this world more. And your first story, arc, you trapped me in one subway train. And I was like, uh, well, it's interesting because it's not it's not really the first story arc because the first story arc is the person getting the job and calling the well, yeah but that's yeah, sort yeah, of what yeah. I what I felt as well but I think the way I would describe it and maybe it is different but it might I think it might be a the, sort of the same thing but the way I would describe it is that the first two issues move very quickly mm-hmm. and then at the end of the second issue they're like here's a crazy thing that's about to happen but like those first two issues they both do that. They both are like, here's a thing that happens at the end. You want to you want to stick around and see the next thing. But then those storylines both seem to come to a conclusion within one issue. Right. And then the crazy thing at the end of the second issue 
it starts in the second issue and then it lasts two more issues. So it does feel like it drags a bit. That's for me. what that's what it is. You did. You did just describe it. Yeah. Where I was like, yeah, there wasn't some like crazy hook at the end yeah. of issue three. Right. It was just like they're going to stay here yep. and maybe resolve it yep. next issue. And we'll see. And that's it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like I said, I do love the world that they've built. So I, part of me is like, I just want to be in this New York for a little longer. Like the again, as tropey as it is to have like the the cop with a lot of gumption and the jagged cop, like the fact that there's a homicidal maniac going around and they're like, "You're the task force," and she's like, "Great!" Like who's working under me? And they're like, "No, you're the task force." Yeah, like that's it. Like no one cares about this anymore. It's not even like. It's so blasé to them that yeah, they're just they like, care about it enough that the mayor just needs to have something to point to to see. See, we're working, we're working on, on it. it. We've yeah. got a person. But we're on not it. really working on it. I, like I love that idea, and that's what I mean. Like living in that world, I'm excited for. I'm actually now excited for this storyline to end and get back out to that world and expand it more. So there's at least that. Like it does create a kind of a world that I'm like, I want to live in this for a while. I want to see where else it goes. I did find it interesting that the first. First murder was in 2009, and then Harry waited seven years and then went on a four year murder spree. Right. And then they, and but they do things like that where they lay little tiny details. Yeah. That if you're really paying attention, you're like, well, why that? Like, there's a tiny mystery through, sewn through this. There's enough of a, of a mystery that needs to be in the comic format as opposed to a horror movie where you go I do want to keep going through with this I kind of want to see what happens there's a spoiler I won't say at the end of the fourth issue but the the last page of the fourth issue really like picks up my ears and I'm like what is this I'm very interested in this yeah that's what I mean I was like oh wait yeah they kind of like because they they kind of touch on that early I think two issues earlier and in that same way I really want to know why he didn't kill anyone in like six years or whatever seven right, years right exactly exactly did you check out the titles of the issues no what each issue had a title i i haven't found any like hidden anything into it right. but i have them written here yeah give me maybe i did notice it i'm just not thinking. the first issue is called heads in the sand uh-huh the second issue is called small prices the third and fourth issue they're very obviously titled all aboard and end of the line, respectively. Wait, is there something I'm missing, or am I? This ne- no, no. I said I didn't find anything oh, no, in no, this. Yeah. I just thought it was cool they that, are cool. The, like most issues of comics, I find don't have their own unique titles. Yeah, they yeah they've titled every single issue as opposed to like a story arc. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. And I just found them interesting that the first one is heads in the sand, like ostriches. When they're scared that's or whatever. True. That's a good one. I like that. And small prices is about, uh, I think that's a reference to the mayor saying that the people on my train, train are a small price, price to, pay to pay or, or whatever. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's funny. Now that we're talking about it, now I'm more into it, actually. Yeah, right? I've slowly got myself more into it. Would you like to hear about the writer, Elliot Kalin? Yeah, hit me, hit me with it. This is what I like is you give me a reading assignment and I don't I don't do nearly this much research. <laughs> I woke up an hour early today to do extra research on this. Oh, you. Yeah, I'm exhausted. The, he was a head writer for The Daily Show under Jon Stewart. He was also the head writer on MST3K, the reboot on Netflix. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. And this is just a fun fact I have about him. He was once fired from writing at the morning Daily Metro, the newspaper that, like, they have at all the, the yes, subway stations the subway. in New York, because he wrote an article about how newspapers were becoming obsolete. That's awesome. <laughs> and they fucking fired him for it. But there was a large amount of, like, public pushback, including articles written by, like, Huffington Post and a bunch of other places that, like, highlighted, hey, you can't fire someone for, like, speaking their mind or whatever and making good points. And that forced the Metro to give him his job back. And he quit the next year. Of course he did. Of course. Because he's like, this is a dying it's industry. Great. If you don't know that, I have a yeah. really interesting article you should read about this. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's a stand-up comedian. Right. He... What else he done? He was on Jeopardy. Oh yeah, I think I did read that. <laughs> it's been like yeah. all over the place. But yeah, not much. Not much like fiction writing, no. which is interesting. He has a lot of nonfiction writing, and that's the other thing that I think resonates w- with me as far as this is concerned. Is that one? He's a humor guy, so you know he can take everything with a grain of salt. So it's not he's not going to take the material too seriously. And they're really good at pointing at being able to break down like these are the tropes of a certain genre, because if they have to parody it. But also the idea of like he's a comedy writer, but now he's writing a horror comic. So there's some genuine affection towards this. Like he's not writing this because it's a comedy assignment. He's writing this because like he has a genuine affection towards this material and a genuine affection towards this this genre. And that comes through in the storytelling. And the artist, Andrea Muti, a great artist, very versatile. I love the art in this book. Yeah. But it also is extremely different from anything else he's ever done. Oh, is it really? Yeah. He's from Italy. He's Italian. And he has worked on a bunch of Marvel properties, including uh, Star Wars, but also like DC, IDW, Dark Horse, and on. he has a ton of experience on this, which is very interesting in contrast to Kalen's experience writing. He also has done The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I feel like precursors to this, he has some experience that I think probably helped him uh, make this comic because he worked on Iron Man Zombies, Castle Unholy Storm, and Empire of the Dead, which I feel like probably helped out. And um, I really feel like his style in this comic has really peaked because like in the past stuff he's done, it's very it's good, but it's very by the books, very standard Marvel. This is so unique and interesting. It really is. The art is very interesting because it really does create a mood and, and again, kind of talking about that world that they've created, like I can feel the kind of grittiness and downtrodden New York that they're trying to convey just through the artwork. It's kind of like, not vapidness, but just kind of like everyone is just going <laughs> about their day in an empty way, just tired and, yeah. you know, it, you know, it very much does feel like the New York of the 80s. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it is. I don't. I was trying to think of the word for it because it's not lethargic. It's not apathetic. Right. But it is sort of like nonchalant. Yes, I can't quite find a good word for it either. Yeah. I think the French called it a certain je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. quoi. Oh, je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi ça. Oh, je ne sais quoi ça. Oui, oui. Oh, what if we just did this for the rest of the episode? <laughs> then I think we'd lose a lot of listeners. I mean, I think we've lost enough already. Don't <laughs> You okay? Uh, any last any last thoughts on this thing? I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah, I, I don't really have any other thoughts than that. Okay, uh, we, we've we've talked a lot about it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's got potential. Yeah, I, I like it. I think. I give it a recommend. I think if you like, if you're really big into like old like 80s 
especially B movies. If you if you like like old horror films or sci-fi films right. that are like maybe well written or like there's something about them. Like even something like I think about something like The Thing, mm-hmm. you know, that like yes. is good, but like definitely a product of its time. Yeah. I think you'll like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're a comic reader and you read like 30 Days of Night, that type of thing, like you'd be into this. But also if you're not a comic, like this is a very easy, a lot of people are like, this is something we're going to get into at a later date, but uh, I'm working on starting our TikTok. And um, one of the things I want to do on it is put like, here are the five Marvel comics for people who want to get started into reading. If you like the MCU, but you don't know where to start with the comics, read these. And the same thing with DC. And this is a very easy, it's still fresh, still new. There's not a thousand comics. You don't have to start from the very beginning and work your way through to catch up to see what everybody's talking about. It's only four, maybe five issues when you're listening to this. And it's not attached to anything. It's its own bubble story, and you can just jump right in. And uh, you're not going to, like, break the bank buying a ton of issues as well. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, it's almost like Saga in that way. Of like, this would be one I could recommend if someone's like, I want to get into comics. And I'm like... You could do this one. Like this but one's... Saga will also ruin your life. Right. <laughs> this uh, yeah. one probably won't. Yeah. Saga, you'll like you'll spend all the money you can on all the trade paperbacks. Right. And you'll just like thumb through all you'll read them so much you gotta replace them, and then that's you're spending double the money. Right. And then you'll just like be adding Brian K. Vaughn on Twitter every day to be like, where's my goddamn sequel? Where's the rest of this? Where is it? Where is this? You're just like, oh yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, you got do you have a reading assignment for me? I do. I have. You're looking for one right now, aren't no, you? No, I'm not. I'm not looking for. I'm looking for info about it so I can give you like the full deets on it. Okay. So what I have for you is a four issue comic series. Excellent. That is uh, somewhat pertaining to something that Marvel's releasing soon, or at least will be when we're talking about it. I think. Oh. And uh, actually, it might. Might already be out by the time we talk about it, but that's okay. Okay. I'm I'm giving you a four-issue series by Christopher Hastings called Vote Loki. <gasps> Ooh, interesting. It's not uh I'm not sure I won't say anything. I'm it's not it's it's interesting. We'll we'll talk about it. It's a whole thing. Okay. What year is this from? What is this? When is this? I from? believe it's from 2016. Yeah, yeah, June 2016 to August 2016. Okay, and it is, um, it is something pertinent. It is something to late 2016. Okay, great. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> okay. All right, that is it. That's all we're, that's it. We did a thing, man. We did. We, wow, we did a big thing. Yeah, today. we did a lot of things. We did a lot of things in one in one thing. <laughs> so uh, let's get out of here and let you guys go create your own thing now. Uh, hey, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, hey, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, hey, Andrew. What? Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio or Pandora, or you can check us out on our hosting site, soundcloud.com slash lunchbreak. Give us a tweet on Twitter, and our handle there is at medialunchbreak. We're, uh, we're, we're making tweets every day, baby. Jim Tan Laundry tweets every custom, day. Custom-made tweets. Custom-made tweets. You can also find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're posting a lot more on Instagram lately. Really, the only thing we're not posting on is Facebook. Cough, cough. You can also find us on YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break, where we're putting up videos all the time. We're going to have a new one pretty soon coming out about... Uh, 
predictions about. Actually, hopefully it'll be out already because it's going to be about the Loki show before it comes out. So oh, hopefully that's out. You can also find us on Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break. Go there. Go there. Just go, type it in right now. Patreon.com right slash oh, The Media Lunch Break. Go ahead. Stop what you're doing. Uh, and if you go there, there we have a whole bunch of little uh, rewards that you can get, little, little benefits, including... A live video version. It's not live, but you can watch it. <laughs> video recordings of the podcast that are unedited for the most part, unless we say something super racist and then I cut that shit right like out. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> you can also uh, email us at themedialunchbreak at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. We have an Amazon affiliate link in the description if you're looking at reading Maniac of New York. We've got it for you right down there. And if you click that link, no extra cost to you, we get a little bit of a kickback. So that'd be nice if you feel like looking at it. If you feel like giving the first issue a try, we've got it right down there in the description. There you go. Give us a rate and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube, which uh, helps us out. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. You can buy a fake beard on Amazon Ooh, after clicking that link. It'll probably look better than the one kit. in Jupiter's Legacy. Thank yeah. you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. You're the best. Around, no, something, something, something to keep you down. down. You're the best. Around, and that's it. That is it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a, um, we just did a reading assignment. Uh, but if you've got a reading assignment for us, feel free to pass that along via Twitter, via Facebook, via email, via Carrier Pigeon, via Instagram, Instagram. Basically anything except Facebook, because no one will ever see it. <sighs> That's wow, we're getting real harsh with this one, aren't we? <laughs> okay, I see what we're doing here. I see what we're doing here. Um, all right, that's it. That is yeah. all she wrote. That's it. Yeah, baby. All right. Gotta thank God I've watched so much goddamn television this past goddamn week. Just crammed it all in. It was not easy. And then we talked about it for two hours. Oh my God. I, I, I never want to watch it. It's amazing to me that we. We we record one episode, yep. and it's the length of both of our episodes. I know. I know. I know. <sighs> I shouldn't have talked so much about the beards. What else was there to talk about? Uh, exactly. 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 How you been? Uh, you know, I can't complain. You? I can complain. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start now. And second podcast begins right now, baby.